The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I have to apologize because I challenged you to pay close attention to the first reading, but I myself wasn't paying close enough attention as I was listening to it this morning because the one thing you needed to know in order to figure out my question wasn't even read this morning. They cut it out. But here's the question I want to ask with regards to that first reading from Genesis regarding Abraham. When God invites Abraham to go outside and to count the stars, if you can, it's actually daytime. It's daytime. You wouldn't have gotten that from today's reading because they left out that next verse or two, where you then read that as night falls or as night fell, Abraham does something else. So then you realize, oh, God asked Abraham to go out and to count the stars during the day. Not going to happen, right? You can't go outside in the middle of the day and count the stars because you can't see them. 
So what does that require? It requires faith. You know they're there because you see them during the night. But during the day, you don't see them. And so, God was instructing Abraham, you could say, to make an act of faith. He was inviting Abraham to make an act of faith in that moment. In God, in God's plan for him. And that came out very nicely in the second reading to the Hebrews. Abraham is our father in faith. And he was being invited to trust in the Lord, to put his faith in God, and in God's promises. Just like Simeon had to do. Simeon was the prophet in today's gospel reading. It says here that he was a righteous and devout man, awaiting the consolation of Israel. And the consolation of Israel makes reference to the book of the prophet Isaiah, because Isaiah the prophet would talk about the consolation of Israel when he would refer to the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. So that was one way that the Jews would think about the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. So as it said, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ, the chosen of the Lord. So he too had to put faith in God's promises. And he was rewarded. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, the child Jesus, the Savior of the world, to the temple to present him to the Lord. And he was filled with consolation. He was filled with God's peace. He was filled with joy. So much so that he breaks into this kind of praise, this prayer of praise. Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace. In Latin, they call that the nunc dimittis. Now you can dismiss your servant. If anybody prays night prayer in the liturgy of the hours, this prayer of praise is prayed every night for night prayer in the liturgy of the hours. So I have prayed that thousands of times now over the last 27 years or so because I pray it every night, that little verse. And it's a reminder that the Savior of the world has indeed come and he is a revelation for all people. So as we find ourselves still in this Christmas season, we rejoice in the fact that God became a man to save us because he wanted to enter into our reality fully and completely. And as we celebrate today the Holy Family, he also wanted to experience family life with all of its challenges. Now, he had great parents, that's for sure, <laughs> the Immaculate Conception and St. Joseph. So perhaps we weren't all blessed with such parents, right? 
<laughs> None of us were. But they still had their struggles. They still had to make ends meet. They still had to deal with the gossip of the neighborhood. You know, small town, Nazareth. They still had to live out this mystery in faith. Even though they knew this was the Savior of the world in their midst, Mary and Joseph had to make an act of faith in God's plan for them. Because it seemed pretty ordinary for the first 30 years. And at some point, Joseph dies in those first 30 years. And then it's just Mary and Jesus for a while. And then finally, Jesus goes out to begin his public ministry. And he reveals himself to the masses as the Messiah. But think about it. For most of his life, he lived in obscurity. He lived in silence. He lived in obedience. He lived in charity with his mom and dad. He chose to do that. That was God's will for him. And in some way, that was redemptive. That was important. That was God's way of saving and redeeming humanity. It was also God's way, in a sense, of sanctifying family life. Meaning that he was saying family life is important. Family life is a way to bring about God's grace and plan of salvation. Even in a, in a hidden way. So I think it's something for all of us to take note of. That whatever you do at home... In God's eyes, it's not insignificant. It's not unimportant. Because God himself did it for 30 years. He didn't consider himself above that. But rather, he wanted to engage in it. With all of its challenges, with all of its ups and downs, joys and sorrows, so as to make it a way to be a channel of grace, a channel of love in the world. So every family is important. Your family is important. And efforts that you make in family life to love, to pray, to hope, to forgive, to share, to bless, to build up, they're really important. Whatever efforts you make along those lines are very important. They're important to God. Not insignificant. Very important. But of course, that takes faith. That takes faith. Because you don't always see it, right? You don't always see it. You don't see the results, necessarily, on a day-to-day -day basis. Especially as a parent, right? When is this kid going to get it, you know? But kids, you know, you keep praying and eventually they get it. 
God wants parents to persevere in that love, in that unconditional love. And he blesses that. Sooner or later, he blesses that. And God also wants to know our pain. That was on my heart this morning as I was praying. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they want to know your pain as a family. God himself wants to know your pain, your, your, your struggles, your hurts, your sorrows. And I know it's Christmas and we're happy and we're celebrating, but you know, I think it's also important that we recognize that it wasn't easy for them. It wasn't easy for Jesus just because he was God. He did not excuse himself from the challenges of family life or from being human. And we look at the cross and we are reminded that he definitely wanted to know our pain. Because that doesn't... that wasn't just physical pain, that was emotional pain. That was spiritual pain and psychological pain and you name it. It was painful all around. And by choosing to be born in poverty, in silence, by choosing to be vulnerable in the crib, He was inviting us to share our pain with him, to share our journey with him. So we don't have to be ashamed of that. You don't have to be ashamed of your pain, of your struggles, because he's not ashamed of them. We read today from the letter to the Hebrews. As you continue to read through Hebrews, it talks about that. The author, it's probably St. Paul, the author of the letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus was not ashamed of the cross and the suffering. Rather, he embraced it out of love for us. So that, again, we would have confidence in approaching him. Because we have a high priest, it says, who can share with our sorrows and sufferings. He was not immune to them, nor was he ashamed of them. He subjected himself, he humbled himself, so as to be able to experience everything that we experience. And so the Lord wants to know your pain. For you... Mothers out there, especially Mary, wants to know your pain. And she does. And that's important for all of us to be able to relate to God and Mary and Joseph in that way. Husbands, dads, men, Joseph wants to know your pain. Meaning that he wants and she wants to be a partner in that, a companion, a friend. A true friend, not a fair-weather friend, but a true friend who sticks by your side in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. 
for richer or poorer. God is on your side. Mary and Joseph are on your side as families, as men, as women, as boys and girls. They are on our side. They're not against us. They're not looking down at us in any way. But rather, they chose to walk alongside us. And they continue in the power of the Spirit to accompany us in a real way. In a real way. So today, we ask them, the Holy Family, to accompany us. And we ask the Holy Spirit to give us the faith and the hope and the trust to share our hearts, to share our pain with the Holy Family and to find in them a source of hope, a source of strength and consolation and comfort so that whatever we have to face, whatever we have to endure, we can do it not with a sense of desperation or despair, but with hope and confidence that God sees us, He knows us, He knows our pain, but He also knows that He has conquered sin and death, and that he has the last word. And that he wants to share with us his grace, his glory, his peace, his joy that comes not from always being successful in the eyes of the world, but from being faithful. Mother Teresa would often say that. God is not calling me to be successful. He's calling me to be faithful. So let's ask the Holy Family to be faithful sons and daughters, to be faithful husbands and wives, and to be faithful moms and dads so that we can build up the city of God, the kingdom of Christ and experience the joy and the peace of the newborn king. Amen.